Today's scripture reading is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come proclaiming the testimony of God to you with superior speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my proclamation were made not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit and power, so that your faith may rest not on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Yet among the mature we do speak wisdom, though it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are, beyond, who are being destroyed. But we speak God's wisdom, a hidden mystery, which God decreed before the ages of our glory, and which none of the rulers of this age understood. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the human heart conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him. God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For what human knows what is truly human, except the human spirit that is within. So also no one comprehends what is truly God's, except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the Word, but the Spirit that is from God, so that we may understand the gifts bestowed on us by God. And we speak of these things in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual things to those who are spiritual. The Word of God for the people of God. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, send your Spirit upon us, that as your scripture has been read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what it is you have to say to us this day. Amen. A free bird leaps on the back of the wind and floats downstream till the current ends and dips his wing in the orange sun rays and dares to claim the sky. But a bird that stalks down his narrow cage can seldom see through his bars of rage. His wings are clipped and his feet are tied, so he opens his throat to sing. The caged bird sings with a fearful trill of things unknown but longed for still. And his tune is heard on a distant hill, for the caged bird sings of freedom. Some of you may know those words from the poem Caged Bird by Maya Angelou who grew up, actually, Marguerite Annie Johnson. And as a young girl, she experienced racism and abuse. Actually, abuse so traumatic, so that after the experience, she stopped talking. For over five years, Maya as she was nicknamed by her brother, was mute. She did not speak one word. But she did read. 
She read every book in the black school library that she could get her hands on, and then every book in the white school library. She especially loved poetry. And when a childhood mentor challenged her by saying, you don't really love poetry unless you speak it, Maya finally found her voice again and began to speak. And many of us have been shaped by her words. So like I mentioned during our prayer time, we are in the midst we are in the middle of two sermon series. We just finished one up. Next week is Lent. And so this Sunday I wanted to honor Black History Month. By taking an opportunity to um, remind us all of the contributions of black people in our country and to also encourage the difficult work of combating racism. And sometimes, as Coloradans, we do have to be reminded about racism. Because statistically, we are... 86.5% white, with only 4.7% black or African American, 3.6% Asian, and 1.7% indigenous, according to census.gov. And every year, I have to fill out the statistical report about our congregation and send it in to the general church of our denomination. And I reported that Washington Park United Methodist Church is 97% white or Caucasian. And in our context, often our cultural difference is not apparent to the eye. So sometimes we have to be reminded of the realities that exist in our world and in our country. Oh, bless you, Simon. Now, this is not a sermon about loving one another, although that's a good message. And it's not a sermon about recognizing that all people of all ages, nations, and races are precious children of God, although you may have figured out in the last eight years, that's my favorite message to give. But it's one that I know is ingrained deep in this community of faith and that we want to practice it with all of our hearts. So how do we? How do we, we being mostly Caucasian in this setting, how do we live in ways that are anti-racist? I found some ideas, and I'm kind of conglomerating them all from some different sources that I found on NPR, through the, double, the NAACP, UNICEF, Stand Up for Human Rights, and a few other sources. So they all kind of point to these directions. Here are some things to do if you want to live as an anti-racist. Actually, the very first thing we all should do is recognize and understand our own privilege. 
This is not easy. Because when we recognize our privilege, we realize that gives us privileges. To combat racism often results in us not having an edge over others, and that affects us if we're just to dismantle that. Another important thing that we can do is to cultivate positive relationships with people of color. Again, thinking about our statistics in our state, if that is not readily available for you, then find ways that you can interact with things that were created by people of color. Maybe read books, watch movies, watch plays that were written by um, black authors, or find other ways to expand your understanding of the experience of people that are not us. Celebrate diversity. Promote ethnic communities. And most of this is this internal work that we do as white people and that we need to do and that as a community of faith I call us and encourage us to do. But there are also external impacts of that internal work. And one of the things that might happen is that you might be in a situation or you need to say something. Perhaps you're in a group of people and someone shares a racist joke. Or if you are on social media, you might see some sort of content that promotes racism or xenophobia. What do you do? Sometimes you need to say Something. In fact, every time I think that you're faced with something that is a racist comment, you should say something. But how do you do that without starting a fight or really just kind of getting into bad sorts with people that maybe even you love? How do you say something in a way that doesn't break relationships? The temptation for some, I think, is to say nothing. To not make waves, to not incite anger, to not break relationship. And also because you might be afraid that if you say something, it might be the wrong thing. What if the words that you use end up being ones that are offensive or harmful to someone else? You don't mean that, but sometimes it's hard to know what to say. So is it best to just be quiet and not take the stance, the chance? So many of you know that I serve as the chair of the Board of Ordained Ministry for our Mountain Sky Conference of the United Methodist Church. And our entire conference on conference leadership level has been trying to do work around intercultural competence and trying to find ways... Um, for each of our entities, including the Board of Ordained Ministry, to incorporate our learnings. A year and a half, two years ago, I was with a group of other conference leadership, and I was reflecting on a situation 
where someone on the board in a group of people said something really unsettling about another person's ethnicity and age. The thing is, I don't think this person had any clue that what they said was out of line or inappropriate. And so I really did not know how to address that without calling this person out in front of this whole group of people. So that was the situation I was reflecting on. What could I have done? How could I have addressed this? I didn't want to embarrass or shame this person because I know that they wouldn't have really identified with what was underneath the comments, but the comments were there anyway. And I also didn't want to not address it ever, because as the chair of the board, that's probably not a good thing to just ignore. My colleague, uh, Reverend Lynn Miller-Jackson, who serves as one of our district superintendents, shared this kind of guidance for me. She said that it's important in this work, as we all learn together how to be more competent in our intercultural dialogue, not to call people out, but to call them in. To call others in to the work of anti-racism and offer an opportunity to learn and grow themselves and for the whole group to find solutions together. To call someone in might look like this. When you're in a group of people or you're with someone who shares a joke that you find to be inappropriate, the calling in process might look like, hey, can you help me understand why you shared that joke? Or, I'm not finding that joke very funny. Can you help me understand? Or maybe you are seeing this post or content on social media. And truthfully, I'm not sure social media is the best place for a dialogue. Um, But if you're able to one-on-one interact with maybe that person that you know that shared it, maybe offer a different perspective or ask questions of curiosity as to why they might have shared it, so that you can understand them better, and so that they can understand that you are calling them in, inviting them into the work of examining all of those things, the words we say, the attitudes that we hold. The idea of calling someone in gives me grace, too. That in being called in for something, I might have said or done, I can be, I can change and be better. I've tried to share this with all of those that I work with. If I do something kind of out of line in that way, please just call me into that. I don't want to harm anyone with my words or actions. In our scripture reading, these words from Paul to the Corinthians are about grace and courage in speech. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling, he says, 
My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. In this difficult and tricky work of anti-racism, we might not be totally confident in the words that we speak. But we know that there is a presence among us, the presence of God, that calls for something different than what often plays out in our world. And we know that this work is about more than us. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than this congregation. It is about God's perfect creation. And it's about human dignity. And so even if your voice shakes, speak the truth. And in doing so, might we call out for freedom and worth for every precious child of God. The free bird thinks of another breeze, and the trade winds soft through the sighing trees, and the fat worms waiting on a dawn-bright lawn, and he names the sky his own. But a caged bird stands on the grave of dreams. His shadow shouts on a nightmare scream. His wings are clipped and his feet are tied, so he opens his throat to sing. The caged bird sings with a fearful trill of things unknown but longed for still. And his tune is heard on a distant hill for the caged bird sings for freedom. I pray these have been the words of the Lord for us this day. Amen.